Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Power Your Mind podcast today. We're in the middle of our Ask the Experts series, and I'm super excited about today's guest, Drew Goodman from the Drew Goodman podcast, who is also a sports broadcaster. He's been in that business for 37 years. He's done play-by-play for the Denver Nuggets for 10 years and then just spent the last 22 years with the Rockies. He's worked for NBC, ESPN, Fox, for the NFL, college football, and college basketball. So we kind of have a heavy hitter on the show today, and he's going to share with us some of the things that he's noticed with professional athletes and what it takes, things that you can apply in your own life. You know, normally this is a, a hypnosis podcast and hypnotherapy, but today with our Ask the Experts, we're digging deep into performance, really performance at large. You don't even have to apply it to sports if you don't want to. Drew, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Welcome. Well, I, would, I think I should hire you as a publicist. I uh, I liked how uh, you ran down my last uh, 37 years of professional uh, life. So thank you. You lived it. You know, I mean, that's something to be proud of. <laughs> Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a it's been a great journey. Um, I feel very fortunate to do um, what I've done, what I continue to do, and um, I always pass along to my boys that if you can find something you have passion for in life and can make a living doing it, then that is the definition truly of being successful. And yeah. um, so, and, and having uh, freedom of, too, really yeah. freedom to do what you love and be paid for it. Sure. So, how did you get into it? What what was the very beginning? What did you like know from the get go? That's what you wanted to do. Yeah, I get asked that question quite a bit, and uh, uh, the simplest way for me to answer that is: I grew up in a household where both of my parents, so my dad became a lawyer, and, and my and my mom um, was working in another industry, but they were both theater people. Uh, my mom was originally in the first graduating class of the high school of performing arts that you and I will remember. Uh, because we were more middle-aged, uh, that show on television, Fame. She was in that first graduating class. My dad was, a, you know, an aspiring actor as well. So I kind of had that theater gene, if you will. And I was an athlete. Uh, you know, that was the most important thing growing up for me, playing football and baseball into college. And so I always was enamored of ABC Wide World of Sports and and wanted to find a way to combine my, my love and passion for sports with um I guess that gene inside of me to perform and uh, it was it was natural to go in the direction I did and you know I was a communications major in college and and kind of tried to climb the ladder upon graduation uh, after that. So you kind of knew that you wanted to be in sports broadcasting from the get-go but it's a pretty tough field isn't it? I mean I imagine there was some uh, serious things that you had to jump over some hurdles some roadblocks some challenges it's the entertainment business. It's um, it is a form of show business. It is highly competitive. It's it's extremely competitive now. And when I was growing up, there weren't that many channels. There weren't that many outlets to uh, be involved. I, I honestly, I, you know, I, I'm now more on the play by play side in the industry. But when I was uh, aspiring to be a, a broadcaster um, and, and I got my start on news being a sports anchor on the news because that seemed the most viable way to get involved in the industry and uh, it is highly competitive it is highly subjective you have to get used to uh, hearing no in life and you have to have a thick skin and um, and that continues today no matter how long you've been in it yeah I think that that 
actually is good advice for no matter what people are trying to do. We want everything to be easy and cushy and cuddly. And if it's not perfect and everything doesn't line up, we're just going to bail. Oh, it's too hard. I can't do it. But I would say that people that have had significant achievements of life have really like heard a lot of no's. They've heard a lot more no's than yeses because they've just continued to try, try, try. Uh, I, I think that's a great point, Julie. Uh, people who are successful have failed far more than they've probably succeeded. People who uh, seem to be on top of the world in whatever the industry is have had so many potholes. That's life. I, I Again, in part, you, you're a mom. Uh, I'm a dad of three boys. I impart that all the time that it's not a yellow brick road. There are potholes. And when you look across the street and you seem to think that that person has it all or is on quote unquote easy street, there are potholes on their journey um, as well. And I, I know it's cliche to say this, but the true measure of someone and, and how you can enjoy success and how you define success is understanding how to overcome when you get knocked down. And um, I, I've always felt like I go back to, you know, I wasn't a professional athlete, but I go back to my days of, of playing, um, even though they're a long time ago. And the lessons, the proverbial lessons learned by getting knocked down and having to get back up. And that truly does carry you through life. And I think the people that are able to handle that the best, the people that are able to understand that the best um, and apply that the best are ones that not only have, uh, you know, maybe greater degree of success, but greater degree of enjoyment of where they are in life. So you would say that you applied kind of what you learned in sports to what you're doing right now, right? Like, I want to talk about you a little bit first, and then I want to see, I mean, you obviously know so many of the athletes, and there must be some defining characteristics that you're talking about that run similar with these guys, right? Like, you just see this kind of insatiable drive for achievement, I would imagine, that nothing is going to stand in their way. No, the word no doesn't exist. The word I can't doesn't exist or the words I can't. Like none of these things that would typically maybe knock another person off track. Those guys are just like, got the blinders on, I'm going to go. <laughs> so you think maybe it's kind of similar to that? I'll take a baseball team, for instance, because I'm most closely uh, involved in, in the sport of baseball. At, at the major league level, there are 26 major league players on every roster. And you have to have talent. Well, first of all, if you're, if you're on a major league roster, you're really talented. You're one of the best players in the world uh, to be on a major league roster. Um, but I've always believed this uh, passionately. And this applies beyond sports, is that give me 26 guys in a baseball clubhouse that have a chip on their shoulder, a good chip on their shoulder, as opposed to 26 pretty guys every day of the week. And when I use the term pretty guys, uh, I'm talking about, you know, the most talented. Uh, oh, that's the, you know, the the great looking athlete. That guy's, you know, boy, I'd pick him first on my team just visibly. I'd rather have guys that have that F you, for lack of a better way of putting it. And I say that all the time, that F you to uh, who they are constitutionally. And I think, and I know, that I've seen those people have greater success 
over a period of time athletically. And I've seen those people who have that, have great success in the business world, um, in, in many different uh, vocations. It, it's kind of, and, and it doesn't have to be an arrogant chip, but it's a chip of, okay, you told me I can't get this done, or you think that person's better than me right now, or you don't think I can achieve this. Okay. I'm going to show you. I will, I will show you. <laughs> so what I'm hearing you say basically, which I love actually, is that drive is more important than talent. And to me, it's good news for anybody listening, because that means we don't have to plop onto the path the planet as the most gifted athlete or the most gifted business person. If we have that drive and we can learn the skills. And like you said, we're like, you said, I can't do it. Oh yeah. I'm going to show you <laughs> move out of my way. I kind of feel that way <laughs> with my own business too. It's like, yeah, I'm doing something I've never done before, but look out, I'm going to do it. Right. And you have that. I know you obviously, and, and you absolutely have that. And Again, because I work in sports and and I and I think, uh, you know, I think as an athlete that there are are so many examples and so many sports uh, phrases inside a locker room that that I think are true. For instance, um, you'll have a good team if your best players, your most talented players are also your hardest working players because now they're getting the very best out of this immense talent, but they're also bringing up and raising the bar for those who are maybe not as gifted because they're looking and they're saying, wow, I think he's the most talented and his work ethic or her work ethic is top of the food chain. And then you look at yourself in the mirror. And I think it's so important also to always uh, and not be afraid to to look in that proverbial mirror and say, hey, where do I stand? Where am I? What can I do better? Because I think the high achievers are not afraid to do that. So in that regard, it sounds to me like also not only are the high achievers that would drive, they're inspiring other people, but just the way that we can apply it in our everyday lives is that to surround yourself with maybe people that are like that high achievement type people so that you can be inspired by them, motivated by them. And also they say that we become the people that we're around. So maybe, you know, just taking a little extra care to make sure that the group that you're around a lot is going in the direction that you want to be going and is maybe above that direction so that you have something to strive for. I, I would add one other characteristic, and I think you're absolutely right, Julie, and that is uh, try to surround yourself with positivity. And I think more so than ever, there, there's so much negativity that is unfortunately easily uh, accessible. Uh, social media, obviously, right? And, and so we're bombarded uh, by negativity. We're bombarded by, you know, horrible things going on, uh, you know, all over the world, clearly. Um, I, I would I would strive to surround people that, you know, look at the glasses half full as opposed to half empty, because yeah, you, you want have to have a discipline with the media, too. 
Like I just had to put myself on a media diet. It's like <laughs> I get yeah. you get sucked in. The more you watch, the more you want to watch. And I I was finally like, okay, I can stop this. This is ridiculous. I I got to yeah. get a handle on this because. But it's important. It's important, yeah. right? If you're if you're with somebody who's upbeat, somebody who who bounces out of bed in the morning, says, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a power walk, or you know, I'm I'm gonna go do this. Hey, let let's have fun. Let's uh, this would be fun. Let's we haven't gone on a picnic forever. Whatever it is. If you're around that, you're like, okay, I'm going to, I can find joy in, in something today as opposed to, oh, do you see what happened in, you know, over here and, and man, I just got off the phone and I couldn't get through. And, and I mean, we all go through those things, but if, if that's all your life is, you're letting it tear yourself down as opposed to finding a way to, to be positive and raise yourself up. Yeah, we have a choice. I mean, we just don't always exercise the best choice for ourselves. And it's a challenge. I'm not saying, you know yeah. what, real quick, I think so many people think, oh, yeah, that's, you know, phony baloney. I can't do that. It's a, it, it takes work, man. It's not it's not like, oh, I'm just going to wake up and be, you know, happy dappy. It's work sometimes. And, it, and it's work to say, OK, what can I do? to make myself or put myself in a better position to be successful in whatever it is, an avocation or a vocation. And, um, you know, that's where you really got to look in the mirror as we were talking about a moment ago. Yeah. I actually have an ebook called 101 easy ways to be happier, <laughs> which I also agree. I fight for it. There's sometimes I wake up and I'm like, what the heck? Why am I suddenly in a weird mood when I have no reason for that? You know, and if you don't catch it, then you can get sucked in. And then pretty soon you don't even realize that that new bad mood is your norm. So, well, I want to get back to the guys and in interviewing. So interviewing the guys in the locker, or I'm sure you're friends with them. You probably have had dinner with a lot of these. I mean, you've done so many different sports and you've had this opportunity to have these friendships at this kind of elite peak athlete level. And what would you say, like knowing all these guys, what's the underlying thing that's that is in them that may not be in the rest of us that, you know, something we might be able to embrace even a part of. There's a drive there. there there's clearly a drive um, and a passion within that drive, um, because to, to be driven, you have to have passion. And I'll go back to a phrase that my high school football coach used to use all the time um and i'm still <laughs> close with my high school football coach from 40 plus years ago oh. <laughs> and that is there's no while and um and we had a phrase don't be denied and then we would say we will not be denied and okay. and that that little phrase i think embodies what elite athletes have going back to what we chatted about earlier, that they are going to find a way. They are going to do everything they can to get the most out of their talent. And that speaks, again, beyond athletics. If your talent is in writing, if your talent is in painting, if your talent is in music, if your talent is in organizing people to, you know, run a company, run a, run a small business, whatever it is, um, you can find application there with, with drive and getting the most out of, you know, your time, uh, each day. And, and, and I think that is a, a common denominator with, with many elite athletes. And, and I'll, I'll add one other thing, and, and this is not usually 
looked upon as a um, <laughs> as a positive trait. But there's a there's a selfishness to elite athletes because there almost has to be in right. that they have to get their work done before everything else to put themselves in the best position um, to uh, to succeed. So th- there is there is some of that um, as well. But if it's properly channeled, it does not have to be a hindrance in relationships. I kind of think that they're almost born to be athletes personally. I mean, if they have that drive, especially if they have the talent, but, you know, like we said, the drive is maybe more important that maybe they don't even have the awareness that it's selfishness. It's like, this is what I'm here to do. This is all I can think about. This is all I can focus on. The average person doesn't have that, you know, a hundred percent of everything that they are is this devoted to this one thing. I was going to mention too, I think they have to have a super thick skin, right? Because you're going to, especially now with the media, the way it is, one tiny mistake can blow up into, you know, a, a year of badgering and harassment, not only from the media, but from the public, because the media is driving the public's actions too. And what made me th- say that is I just watched the, uh, the David Beckham special on Netflix And to see what he went through when he did that one little kick and got red flagged in the World Cup and then and freaking everyone hated him for an entire year. And he was just like, I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to do what I do. Put the blinders on. I mean, yeah, he went through some pretty major stuff, but he dealt with it. And then, of course, he's the golden boy in a year again. So I just was like, oh, my God, the average person would just crumble and jump off a bridge. (laughs) Well, um, I'm glad you brought that up, even even in what I do. And um, you have to have a thick skin because you can, you know, if you want to be a slave to social media, uh, you can you can find all the haters out there on for me on, you know, how I broadcast a game or I'm not critical enough of the Colorado Rockies or that sort of thing. If you want to go down that rabbit hole you can go down that rabbit hole and it's it's not a good place to be. And especially, you know, uh, if you're a professional athlete, if you're a prominent professional athlete, uh, you, you just can't do that. Um, and and I would say this, because everybody feels like they can get to someone now because of social media, Instagram and, and Twitter, X or whatever the hell they call it these days, um, <laughs> It's really important to realize uh, one of my favorite, favorite um, speeches. It was made by Teddy Roosevelt, I believe, in 1910 or 1908 at the Sorbonne in Paris. And to paraphrase, it's called Man in the Arena. And if, if people are unfamiliar, look it up. And it's about life is about the participant, the person in the arena who's who's vying and bleeding and sweating and trying. And I'm not just talking about an athletic endeavor. This is something that is applicable in whatever you do in life. And if you listen to outside noise, you're, you're foolish because you're in the arena. It takes courage to be in the arena. You're a small business operator. You have a really successful business, Julie. And if you were to listen to just outside noise on, oh, you should do this, or you should carry this in your business. If it comes from the right place, that's fine. But if it's negative, those people have no idea. They're not running a small business, chances are. They're not, they've never been in the arena. For those people yelling at the athlete, oh, why did you strike out in that situation? Heck, 
you're not in that spot. You've probably never been in that spot. It's really easy to sit in the stands and say, oh, I would have done it this way. So that, you can see, irritates the hell out of me. And you know what's worse? If you allow it to irritate you, because those people are not in the arena. Right. Whatever your arena is, they're not in it. It takes Again, courage. It's a choice. Yeah, it is a choice. We have to mm-hmm. clearly decide what we want to allow to affect us. I mean, I think no matter who you are, especially I think with AI, I mean, that's my big thing right now. We're just going to get bombarded more than ever. We think it's bad now. It's going to in five, 10 years, it's going to be a whole new level of you better know who you are and define your boundaries and have that strong power of mind because you're going to be kind of picked at from every single direction possible. So that's another reason why I put myself on the news diet. <laughs> it's like, I mean, how much control do I have over my own life? Let's just find out. I want to mention the fact that you're a coach also. You Are you still coaching or you do that in the, set, in the off season? I, I do. Um, I, I've for the last six, seven years uh, assisted over with the varsity baseball team at Arapahoe High School uh, locally. It's where my boys all played. And um, and so, yeah, I, I love I, I love to coach. I, I can't be there as much during the season. So I, I miss out on a lot of the games because I'm still I, have, I still have one uh, of my boys left playing college baseball. So I between my Rocky schedule, I, I scramble to see him playing around the country. So um, when I can be there, I'm there and I'm there quite a bit in, in the winter working with kids. And I love to be involved that way. So let me just ask you, when you have a new group of kids and they're getting started, can you pick out the talent? Can you pick out the drive? Can you pick out the ones that are going to succeed versus not succeed? Or is it something that people learn over the years? Can you generally be like, oh, this kid you know, is lazy, but he's amazingly talented. So he's <laughs> probably going to fall off the, you know, the system or, you know what I'm saying? Like you've seen so many come through for the first time. How often can you just be like, that guy's got it? I would say at that age, you, you can see talent. You you can see talent in terms of drive. There are times you can see kids who you say, okay, unusual drive. Sometimes you see kids who have great drive and maybe not a lot of talent. And I, and I love those kids. Um, you see kids with a lot of talent and, and maybe not a ton of drive or maybe a lot of talent and they think they have drive. They think they're working hard. That's something else that it, it takes some maturity to realize truly what hard work is. Um, work ethic is generally at that age developing because they don't truly understand what hard work is and and what putting everything into something is. It's all about your baseline for that. I think Mm -hmm. it has to do with watching your parents too. So like maybe you were having to light a fire under your son while he was young, but he saw that and he integrated it into his life later. So I just kind of like the idea that Again, going back to the drive is more important than talent, because that means anybody listening can take a field that they're interested in and make that happen in their life as long as they have the drive and the discipline to keep on working on that. I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. And and I think, Julie, you have to define your own success. It's not simply, I want to be here. Here may be here for someone else and that's okay also um but it's up to you to define 
what that is. And it's also up to you to, again, you go back to that mirror. I just read a book by, and it's the New York Times bestseller. So maybe many of your listeners have read it. It's called Can't Hurt Me um, by David Coggins. And, and very quickly, David Coggins um, is, is a guy that overcame a ton to become a Navy SEAL. He was a member of, uh, of Delta Force. I mean, he did all these amazing things militarily and then in Ironman triathlons and so forth. And, and you read some of the things he did and it's otherworldly. Uh, but it all it all came down to an inner drive and it all came down to looking himself in the mirror and really having, uh, you know, kind of a, a come to Jesus conversation with himself as opposed to, you know, averting that gaze, looking back at you in the mirror. And I think it's important to do that on a regular basis. Or, I really do. Right. If you want to set your bar, make sure that you're comparing yourself with someone with a high bar, essentially, because mm -hmm. the bar can be so low. You might think it's high and it's just so low comparatively that you're just not <laughs> not going to accomplish what you want. That's why I think the mind is so important, because it it really is driving. It's that inner drive. Right. Like I believe that our mind can be stronger than our body. The body's like, oh, I want to rest. Oh, I need food. Oh, I need this powder puff massage and all that. And the mind is like, no, you don't. We're going to do this and we're doing it right now. And How much better, Julie, Julie, because I'm again, take, I, I take physical activity. I, I know that's so important to you and you know how important it is to me. So when you get out of bed in the morning, this applies to anyone and it's about small victories. So you get out of bed and you're like, I know I said I was going to go on that power walk for two miles or you know, go on a light jog, or I was going to get on the bike downstairs, whatever it is. And you're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And if you force yourself through that, and you go and do it, what a victory up here. And, and you may say, well, what's the big deal? It's not like I, you know, won an Olympic gold medal, or, or I'm on top of the world as a baseball player or a football player. That That's irrelevant. That was a victory. That was a victory for yourself and that, you know what, you didn't want to do it. You were tired. You were like, I'm overdoing, but you did it. And and small victories add up. They really do. Yep. And what they mean to the mind and, and what you're, what it allows you to achieve when you broaden that a little bit, I think is very powerful. Yeah. I think that also part of that is starting the day on your terms. So I totally get what you're saying. There's days I get up and I work out in the morning too. First thing I just, you know, roll out of bed and, and go downstairs and hit the home gym. And sometimes I'm so tired. I'm just like, oh my God, you know, I had a long day the day before, or I worked out really hard the day before or something. I don't want to do it, but I do it anyways. I usually do that. And I do practice the piano every morning. Usually all that is taken care of by nine o'clock, you know, for an hour and a half piano, hour workout, breakfast, because then the day starts on my terms. And I like that because the rest of the day can blow up and I still have the two most important things in my day done. But also, I think when the day starts on your terms and I'm talking to everybody who's listening, then the rest of the day shakes out a lot better than if you're very reactionary in the morning. Like if you start out in a reactionary place, more than likely your day is going to be, you know, like, oh my God, this happened, that happened. Everything will be a reaction instead of you proactively doing something that says, hey, I'm in control of this day 
And this is how I want the rest of the day to go. I have an agenda. I'd like to accomplish these things. Granted, we all know not all of that happens, but starting the day out on your terms, I think you work out in the morning too, is such a great way to start. It's like, you're basically saying, universe, line this up for me. This is how I want it to go. A hundred percent. And not, not to mention, uh, and you know more about this than I do, but the endorphins and it, it, I'll, today was an example. A lot of times, so I, I run a lot, but when I'm in, uh, I travel a great deal. So, but when I'm home, I ride the bike and then I, then I lift. And today I'm like, it's gorgeous as it typically is in, in Colorado. And, and I was like, you know what? Um, I want to run outside. And so even though my first inclination is normally well, I'll jump on the bike and I can read a little bit and watch the television at the same time, I'm like, nope, got to force myself. I got to get out and run. So, uh, yeah, no, that's, you know, kind of overcoming your mind telling, yeah, it'd be easier to get on the bike today. And right. um, <laughs> to so you, you have a little victory and and you're off and running you're doing a little podcast with julie so uh yeah it's 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 a great way to start your day and i know not everybody feels like they have the ability to do that because they're out of bed and they have to be uh, you know racing to an office or racing to a job whatever that may be um but i always say this from an exercise standpoint that if you have on your calendar, a meeting at 10, a meeting at noon, a conference call at 1.30. Why can't you also build in, I'm going to work out for 45 minutes and that meeting's happening at, you know, at 5.15 in the evening or, or 5.15 in the morning, if that's how it has to be. And you build all these other things in, build that in because that is going to give you, you know, a great deal of power in everything you do. Yeah. I, when, when COVID happened, I moved, you know, I was working out at the gym and I started working out at home and I'm like, okay, I'll do, I'll just do 20 minutes in the morning. Cause I'm so busy. And, and then I felt so good. I was like, I should take that up to 30. And then I'm like, I'm going to try 40. <laughs> so like bit by bit, I'm like, oh, I can fit this in. I just get up a little bit earlier. So, well, we digress a little from uh, the focus here, which is athletes and what they have different, but really it's kind of all the same right? It's a drive. It's a discipline. It's thick skin. It's continuing to go forward in the light of all of the things that might beat you down. But, you know, the drive being the number one thing. And do you have any other like last pearls of wisdom that you could offer to the listeners about, you know, just things to make you extraordinary and stand out above the crowd with regard to how you can apply what professional athletes do to our normal everyday lives? Yeah, uh, I, I think in particular in the game of baseball, there there is, and I hate this term, but it's a common term in baseball, Julie. It's called, you know, there's a ton of failure in baseball in that you get up to bat and the best players in the world hit 300. And there's only a handful that can hit 300, right? Which means seven out of 10 times you've made an out or have failed, Right. That's a lot on the mind. Man, I didn't get a hit. Man, I didn't get a hit. Man, I didn't get a hit. Oh, I got one hit. And so you you constantly have to, uh, you know, battle that and overcome that. Well, it's analogous to life that it's not just going to be, you know, this rosy ride. And I go back to something we talked about earlier. It's so easy to look across the street and think that that person has it easy or that person's always successful or that person always gets what they want. 
And it's probably an inaccurate portrayal. And I would focus on who you are and having small victories. And if your goal, again, I'll make a sports analogy from an athletic standpoint. If your goal is to run a marathon, you're not going to go out the first day and run 15 miles if you haven't been running, right? You're going to say, hey, let me run a half a mile. I'll walk a quarter of a mile. Then I'll run another quarter of a mile. And maybe that'll be all the first day. But it was a victory. And you build up. And you take those small victories. And I think all athletes do this. Small victories in the weight room. Small victories cardiovascularly. Small victories in 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 a, you know, a, a skill they're working on perfecting or improving because there is no perfect. And you take those small victories and you put them in your mind and it's a reservoir that you can reach back on. It's like when, when you go and exercise in the morning, as we were just talking about, and if you're someone that, you know, for whatever reason, got away from it for a little bit, you can go back in your mind and say, Hey, I did this and I was able to do this. And it's easier then to go back because you have reservoir of success, reservoir of accomplishment. And again, it's applicable in how much you practice on the piano, how much you, you know, practice in, in whatever your craft is. And, and that's, you know, that's a trait that I think all elite athletes have. And, and I think it's one that um, us common folk can take as well. And again, um, apply it to whatever we are doing in our life, whether it's uh, from an avocation standpoint or just trying to improve uh, in a certain area. That, in, that analogy with baseball is interesting. I remember reading those stats about, you know, a guy that's hitting 300 is like at the top of his game, but he's missing seven out of 10 times. And to me, that means that that guy has to completely focus 100% on the times that he's successful and let the failures go. Maybe you learn from the failures, you know, you glean a little bit of information here, but in life, same thing. We might have 90% failure and 10% success, but that 10% has to be where the focus is or that failure will drag us down. So I know you have a podcast, the Drew Goodman podcast. You, what do you do? Interviewing athletes? Is that kind of fun things like that? Well, it's funny. I, I have a, I also, one of the things I've done in broadcasting is I've hosted talk radio shows and at different periods of time in my career. And I, and I felt it confining at times in that there, there are a lot of days that you were asked to, you know, fill up three hours and you didn't really have anything that you were passionate about, but you still had to fill up three hours. Um, so I, I love the podcast format, just like you do. And, um, I, I do it once a week and I can do it for 30 minutes, 40 minutes or, or, or an hour, whatever, it, you know, if I'm passionate about things. So basically I talk about, um, everything that's on my mind that I've witnessed locally, regionally, and nationally in sports each week. And I'm old school in that I, I really like the long form interview to get in depth with an interesting subject. So every week I also have, a athlete, a coach, a member of the sports media that I respect and find interesting or want to get to know better. And, and I make that as part of the podcast. So there's a long form interview each week and, and there's me uh, pontificating, getting on a soapbox about various sports topics and 
you know, it's available, as they say, on, on all your various, uh, you know, podcasts, wherever you get your favorite podcast or whatever that line is. All right. And so that's the Drew Goodman podcast. And you're on Twitter also, right? Is it just Drew Goodman or? It's, uh, I think it's, I think it's Drew Goodman 42, um, you know. Because that was a good year for my Twitter. <laughs> that, that was, you know, that was my number in football. So okay. I carried it with me for, you know, 40 some odd years, whatever. So Drew Goodman 42 on Twitter slash X. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today and listening to the interview with Drew Goodman. Hopefully you found some information that you can apply to your own lives. And please check out other episodes of the Power Your Mind podcast. I'm going to have all the links for Drew's contact information and how you can follow along with what he's doing in the comments below. And I will catch you on the next podcast. Thanks again for tuning in.